quiet. Time for a start show. Trouble defeat, audience! Your move silently and hide checks are successful. Good evening, lords, ladies, non-binary, multi-form constructs, and others. You have chosen your entertainment quite wisely, for you are about to experience the most wondrous spectacle in the great, venerable, and multiplanar empire of Voladros and the Wathens. I am your host proprietor, Romande Zwarfinde, and I welcome you to the Twenty-Sided Theater. Dancing lights! beloved audience, it sounds like things aren't going so well for the Emperor and the holy city of Sandeskar. Father Maldreth tells us that Makar has made a movement of some unknowable sort, causing trouble with, for, or about the outer walls of the holy city. Well, Father Maldreth claims to know in which way the Father of War has moved, but such knowledge, according to the Patriarch of the Church of War, is, quote, beyond the feeble ken of even my most faithful parishioners, end quote. But that's only the biggest news from a city that, statistically speaking, you are not standing anywhere near at the moment. Instead, let us turn our attention back to those young kingdoms and the seas of madness. And who better to catch you up with the events of far-flung places than the Dipson Memorial Action Town Criers? We go now to our anchor paladin, Dame Hera Laris. Thank you, Romande. Tonight's top story follows Imperial Mixed Species Task Force number 57822. Him? No. Please, Dame Laris, use the new team designation that Sir Gnome has provided us. Pardon me. I meant Iron Heel's Imperial Puffy, led by Ormer Iron Heel of the Clan of Leaping Spears. This springy dwarf and his nine companions have just received the Emperor's call. But before they can return to defend the holy city of Sandaskar, they must overcome a new, or perhaps old, impediment. Here's the cryo's own Pinky the Problematic Pixie with more. Pinky? Thank you, Hera. As you can see behind me on the scry crystal, Iron Heel's Puffy has entered the Fable Sea of Madness recently. This area is known primarily for its eternal tumult, which is largely caused by enraged water and air elementals trying to rip each other in half. Only the stupidest and least mentally stable mariners in those young kingdoms' history have ever attempted to cross this patch of ocean. 
None have ever returned to report their success, so we presume that all of them were killed in the most unspeakable ways. We do, however, have confirmation that the call of the Emperor has reached three nodes within those young kingdoms. Well, Pinky, getting the Emperor's call is always disorienting, but most people won't have put themselves in such immediate danger as Ormer and his band of adventurers are wont to do. What in the names of the Triple Goddess caused Ironheel's Pothy to enter such a dangerous zone of chaotic wildness in the first place? Well, their halfling corsair Portia Fireleaf had steered them toward the Sea of Madness in order to take a shortcut toward the Red Arch of Dalathorn, where they were supposed to report to their local contact, an albino sorcerer known as Morellian. Unfortunately, Vorderock of the Star Pastures was stricken by the Emperor's Beacon, so Portia had to take over at the helm. Miss Fireleaf promptly turned their ship 180 degrees and fled Morellian's ship, rather than face him at half strength. We will update you as more information becomes available. Back to you, Hera. Thank you, Pinky. If you have any information on those young kingdoms or on this Morellian individual, please report immediately to the Imperial Exploration and Task Service. Unless you're currently fleeing for your life through the quickly collapsing streets of San Descar, that is. Up next, one surprising trick that can make you 40 silver pieces a day without leaving your home. But first, a word from our sponsor. Lords and ladies of my beloved audience, please do recline upon your gilded seats, quaff your libations, and adjust your listening devices that you may fully immerse yourself in the sonorous soundscape that comprises your evening at the Twenty-Sided Theater. Portia, keep the damn boat straight so Steo can get a bead on that Morellian fucker. Even from this distance, I can see his eyes are glowing with that red color. What only evil people give off when they using magic. Aye, aye, Ormer. Just gotta not spin the wheel here. See, I'm getting the hang of this corsairing business. Great. I'll give you a medal or something if we survive this. Owen, Osric, you two found a way to wake up the cows and the star horse yet? Um, so, they're not actually asleep. Catatonic, perhaps, but their eyes are still open. Either way, they're not looking so good. Their breathing is really shallow. Come on, Calendar. You're my best friend. What's gonna happen to the act if you die? Ormer, it looks like Morellian's ship is gaining on us. I... I think they're almost in range for the Battle 1888s. We'll get them things loaded and ready for firing, Wank. If that evil sorcerer gets our two keys a real crana, things is gonna be bad for the Empire. Well, from what the two elves and the giant mouse said, it sounds like the Empire's already in a spot of trouble. Fine. More trouble, then. And Felicia, why ain't you helping with at least one of the three tasks our posse's got going right now? Sigh. Fine. I'll help wake up the elves. Cal? Cal? Either one of you? Felicia squats on her haunches between the bodies of the two prone, paralyzed elves, staring impassively at their blank faces. She lazily swings her tail back and forth for a minute, whilst drawing her front right paw slowly into the air. 
After a long, tense, pregnant moment, Felicia strikes forth with her paw, hitting Calendir directly on the nose. <coughs> ah! What, what is going on? Why am I on the ground? Actually, friend Calendir, you're lying upon the deck of our ship, not the ground. Wherever you are, Minch Kalimnar, you should thank Catsline Katamine for returning you to your senses. Actually, Kartoffel, I'm not a mensch. I'm fairly certain that means human. I'm more of a fee or an elf. Cal, you're okay. What was that? I... I'm not so sure. I was in the elven thoughtscape. It felt like I was drowning beneath an avalanche of someone else's snowy thoughts. It felt like everybody was in that thought slide. Well, that's one of them up. Now we just need to get other Cal and Vornarok up. Vornarok. Vornarok. Vornarok! There you are. Looks like all you needed was someone to say your name forcefully enough. And maybe to say your name while holding a nice juicy carrot in front of your nose. Who's a good pony? Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Portia, what are you doing? Nobody's driving the boat now. Them pirates want Marillion hired to catch it up with us. The pirate ship is now close enough that you can hail each other and hold a reasonable conversation. Gluminar, the red-headed dog's body of Malabalinthe's sorcerer prince, raises a megaphone to his lips to address your posse. Uh, excuse me, but you mispronounced that word, voice. You're not in this scene, Romande. <laughs> Damned straight I'm not. But this is still my theater, and that means that I can still give directions from offstage. Ugh, fine. What word was mispronounced? Sir Gnome clearly named this group Iron Heels Imperial Pothy, both spelled and pronounced with a lisp. Oh, gods of all the... Fine. Luminar addresses your Pothy on behalf of his master, Morellian of Malvolinde. Malvolone? That sounds more like rotten lunch meat than a name for a country. Well, you're not the only one who has problems with foreign place names, Orma. Just wait till you hear what they think the Empire's called. Foreigners from the Empire of Velcros and Witthins, you have purloined artifacts from the ancients of Relencrana, the holy ancestors of Melvin Linda. Halt now, return the keys, and my master will let you keep your lives in our oubliettes. Resist, and your flesh will be flayed and bleached for our scrolls. Your bones will be crushed and burned to ash for our high carbon steels. And whatever various parts are left will be purified and distilled for our potions. You have two minute glasses to decide your fate. We need a lot less time than that. How are them battlesticks coming, Wank? Got four of them primed and ready, Ormer. Great. You, Owen, Theo, and Felicia, take them sticks and see if and you can hit the stupid hat off of that red-headed feller's noggin. Hornerock, you and Portia, get up to the aft castle and see if you can keep the boat afloat. Aye, aye, Commander Ironheel. Come, Felicia. 
Grab your Battle 1888 device and let us defend our ship, our friends, and our homelands from this menace of Malbaloni. Cats don't fetch sticks. But I suppose I see your point. Fine, taking aim. Four shots peel out, but their echoes are muffled by the permeating din of the Sea of Madness. Unfortunately, you guys have not practiced very much with these things, so nobody actually manages to hit Gluminar's hat. Although one of you does manage to knock another pirate into the ocean, so, you know, better than nothing. Anyway, the redhead man continues to grin idiotically as his ship closes on yours. Better than nothing. Osric and the cow what's awake? You two strike up a tune to inspire our gunners. Maybe see if you could fascinate their helmsmen once we get close enough. Right away, Ormer. Which tune should we strike up, Calendar? Well, Oz, I don't think those pirates have heard the one about the bridge. You know, the one where everyone dies at the end. Do you mean the fun ferry at Fellows Fjord, or the rivers full of ribs? The first one. It is way more depressing. The albino and the half-dragon elf strike up a tune so ancient that even Sir Cal would think it old-fashioned if he were awake. But that's kind of the cool thing about music. You can always breathe new life into an old tune by putting new words onto it. Anyway, as the song reaches the first chorus, Gluminar's grin slides into a grimace. Beside him, his master, the black-armored Morellian, raises his milk-white face and turns his crimson eyes toward the space between your galleons. Hopefully them pirates don't like songs about a bunch of kids dying on a riverbank. Okay, Cartoffle, you're the only one left. I want to see if you can wake up the other cow before that pigmentless pig fucker hits us with one of his spells. Right away, here I am here. Let's see, this can be used to wake you up here, Alistair. Oh, this bucket of dex bombings should do the trick. I'm up. Am I late for muster? Finally, you are awake, Calandrian. What just happened to you, Calandrian and Vonarok? In ancient days, Empress Shulamit Shazith established a warning system that allowed the Empire's sovereign to tap directly into the elven thoughtscape. Even across dimensions. Well, we call it the Elven Thoughtscape, but really, anybody with a decent level of psionic attunement can join in. Or to be forced in, in the case of our warning system. So, what's going on now? As active conduits, we three are the only party members who did not hear the message. Are we still fighting that guy who's definitely evil because he's a redhead? Or have we moved on to his master, who is doubly evil because he wears black armor and employs a redhead? Wait a minute, cow. Not you, the other one! Keep playing your violin, scaly cow! All right, horse cow, back to business. Why weren't Morellian affected by the Emperor's call? Like you and scaly cow and the star horse. He's an elf, too, by the look of him. Um, so I actually think he was affected by the call as well. 
This explains why he hasn't called down lightning or made the seas boil beneath us or anything. Then why wasn't I affected? Half Celestials definitely have a strong connection to the psionic plane. Not only is it surpassingly difficult to break into the mind of a Celestial or a Half Celestial friend wank, but it is also quite rude to intrude upon the minds of superior beings from supernal planes. I guess that makes sense. Hey, look! That Morellian guy seems to be yelling at us. As his warship comes alongside your slave galley, you finally hear his words floating across the distance. Treachery, I welcomed you into my kingdom. I tasked you with finding the ancient keys that will unlock the fabled vault of Rilincrana, the great repository of wisdom left by my ancestors. And now you spurn my friendship, and you seek to keep the trove of sciences for yourselves. Behold... Archelok the Chaotic stands behind Malbalinde, now as ever. Hear me, Archelok! Bring down ruin upon these thieves! Well, that makes the trifecta. This guy is definitely evil. One, he wears black armor. Two, he invokes the lords or ladies, or whatever gender or genders of chaos. And three, he employs a redhead. I guess we do have one way to be certain about Morellian's morality. We could always detect evil. Sir Cal's anachronistic stereotype about hair color aside, you guys are partially right. Yes, he is a servant of chaos. No, he does not serve the Masters of Chaos. Yes, he wears black armor. No, he does not scan as evil. Yes, he's really pissed off at you guys. And no, there's really no way to get out of this situation so long as you guys have Portia and Vorneros at the helm. Well then, gird yourselves for battle, my Imperial Pothy! See, voice? I was paying attention. I like the idea of having my own Pothy. Before you have much of a chance to ready yourselves further, a hideous, shrieking ululation tears forth from the albino sorcerer's gaping maw, and the waters before you begin to roil into a strangely perfect circle of turbulence. Is that... is that a giant skull in the water? Nah, it can't be. Things with skulls usually top out at six eyes, and that thing clearly has... Thirteen sockets? The image in the water only lasts for a moment before a huge wave washes the vision from your eyes. The winds arise and whip into a fury as Morellian continues to utter sounds not meant for mortal throats. He slowly raises his arms, seemingly unencumbered by the black-bladed greatsword clutched in his right fist. Strike four! Only evil people carry black-bladed weapons. Barbara Sox's itchy verrucas! That's only strike three! For the last time, it ain't evil to hire no redheads! As Morellian continues his chase, the inlaid runes upon his blade begin to shine with a dull magenta light. The pirates, still brandishing filth and falchion alike, 
Ivy albino nerds. But are only stopped from leaping off the ship by the menace of the churning, bubbling vortex below. Felicia, what the hells are you doing? What? That guy on the railing was flat-footed. The dead pirate falls overboard, and when the corpse hits the water, six tentacles shoot up to wrap around its arms, legs, torso, and head. The body is held suspended above the waves for a long moment before the unseen beast tightens its muscles and tears the body limb from limb, flinging the parts down into the water for easy consumption. If something terrible comes out of that churning water, I just want you to know. I was right about Morellian and Dunar being evil. God damn it, horse cow! Weren't you the one what said we should take as many jobs as possible from those two? Weren't it you who said, Oh, there's lots of gold in collection artifacts, and you dwarves love gold right over? Cause, uh, I genuinely can't remember which of you said that. And that would be just like enough to take advantage of a poor old dwarf's faulty memory. Behold, it is those guys whom we hate. Leap upon them, armor. While Vonoroth and Porsche position us to ram their ship. Whatever I may have said in the past, our employer has clearly become our former employer. At the very least, because he has taken up with pirates. Wait, is that horse actually smart enough to pilot your ship? Certainly. Vonoroth from the Storm Pastures is intelligent enough to understand Sabian's speech. He simply lacks the vocal hardware to respond. Behold, he can even do maths. What is four plus two, boy? Wow, then he's already smarter than the flying orc back home that the Empire loves indulging so much. <laughs> that guy could be outwitted by his own axe. Duh. Why do you think he serves its every whip? All right, Vornarok. Swing us around to port and wheel us 270 degrees to start. Vornarok looks at you uncomprehendingly, Portia. Maybe a handle animal check is you. Oh, right. You don't know port and starboard since you're a horse. <laughs> Sorry, Vornarok. Now we just need to get into position. All right. No one. I didn't mean to go, right? We want to head to the port side first. I, I mean left. Unfortunately, Vornarok actually has a blind spot with his lefts and his rights. You know, due to his equine dyslexia. So he just smacks the wheel with a hoof, lurching the ship toward the right instead of heeding Porsche's directions. Cal, I want you to know that this is your fault. Can you send the horse to the education specialist like I'd asked? We wouldn't be in this trouble right now. Palmer, you never asked me to do such a thing. That's because I asked the other cow to do it. You know, the cow what's all educated and writes poems and songs and shit all the time. The cow what's known for being literate. Sorry, Orphan. We had our first appointment scheduled, but then we took a little longer with these keys of real imprena business than we'd anticipated, so we had to reschedule. That's all right, Scaly Cow. I'm just a little tense right now. What, cause all pirates standing next to them guys we don't trust? 
Well, at least the boats are close enough now that I can make a mighty dwarven jump! Former leaps mightily, but he catches his left foot on the underside of the railing, which spins him over and sends him diving headlong into the sea. I tire of this sorcery, pale one. I hereby issue my nightly challenge. Come and face me upon the field of honor. Uh, upon the waters of honor. And I hereby solemnify this challenge by casting a firebolt. Sir Cal stretches his left hand out toward Morelli, and a high-velocity, superheated chunk of rock shoots forth from it. The glow intensifies around the runes in the albino sword, and the Technomagical Knight's projectile shatters when it comes into contact with its target. Morellian then slowly turns his wide, magenta-wreathed eyes on the ancient star. Wait, his eyes are magenta? Not red? Ah, oh, crap, that changes everything. How so, Osric? I thought magenta was just a form of red with a little bit of purple in it. Um, so magenta isn't actually a color that appears in nature. It is the result of our brains trying to wrap the color spectrum around in order to create a color that allows us to comprehend the blending of infrared and ultraviolet lights. Exactly. That means his eyes haven't been glowing red this entire time. We know that red is an evil color, but violet's kinda neutral. This guy serves chaos, but he doesn't scan evil. Maybe this guy's like an anti-hero or something. I suppose that means he is down to two strikes, if Ormer's correct about it not being evil to hire redheads, of which I am still skeptical. No, he is definitely wrong about that. It was even encoded in Imperial law back in my day. Yeah, Alistair, but this law must appeared about 2,340 years ago. This pigment non-discrimination. What? How did you know that, Kartoffel? My brave potato squire has been helping me review for the Imperial Citizenship exams. Getting our yellow cards will allow us greater freedom to travel the worlds, helping the helpless and defending the defenseless. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, good for you guys, I guess. Meanwhile, the roiling, bubbling of the sea halts for a moment. Well, at least that'll make it easier to climb back up towards the crow's nest for another mighty leap. Unless something just came up and touched the soles of my feet. I really hope that's not what I fear it is. I accept your challenge, treacherous foreigners. As my champion, I select the great Beveleth of Arkalok. Behold your approaching doom. As my grandpappy used to say, Time to spear the damn thing and hold on for dear life! The great beast of chaos erupts from the briny depths as Ormer sinks the head of his spear deep into its pitted carapace. The dwarf swings this way and that from the haft of his weapon as the arachnoid demon climbs out of the water and steps onto the suddenly smooth surface gently skating its giant, bladed legs over the top of the liquid water as if it were solid ice. That should do. 
Most people are terrified by anybody summoning anything. Gloomily, you go manage the pirates while I wait here ominously, in case that guy who challenged me actually makes it over to our boat. Aye aye, Morellian! All right, pirates, you heard him. Everybody onto the back of the Bebeleth. If that ship isn't sunk in 20 minutes, it better be because everybody on it is dead, and we're dragging it back to port. The pirates leap without delay from their ship onto the awaiting giant crustacean. As it begins to skate toward your ship, you prepare for a collision with the great elemental beast. Well, if there's one thing I'm better at than helmswomening, it's swashbuckling. I just need to figure out which of these ropes to cut. Ha! And here we go! Portia tries to swing out and jump onto the sea spider, but her timing is off, so she ends up swinging back to the ship. Uh-oh, I'm coming back! Worry not, friend Portia, for Theo, the Wonder God, and Kartoffel, the Slayer Spud, are here to... Something about Theo's voice must have irritated the Bebel, because the demon throws its enormous sticky web to cover the Scotalian Guardsman. Starting with his mouth, apparently. Theo! Let me help you out, sir. I will just use this knife. This knife, which is now stuck to the web. Uh, this is going to take a little longer than I expected. Oh, great. We need to get across to the other vessel. Come on, Lottie. Once we get over there, you can feed on all the higher primates your stomach desires. Let's see. We need some sort of a bridge or, or plank. Uh, perhaps I should simply summon a swarm of sea rats and then cast Spider Climb upon them. You hear the low rumble of thousands of tiny feet moving throughout both ships. Within moments, two of the stickiest, most horrendous rat kings you've ever seen have blossomed like pimples on the hulls of the two boats. The two message masses reach out toward each other, and within moments, every rodent from each ship is caught in a pace-wide umbilicus that spans right over the Bebelith's head. There. Your footing might be a little sticky, Lottie, but now we have a clear way across so you can eat those pirates. Out of the way, Scales. These waxholes wanted to throw me into salt water to be eaten by some huge spider crab. Felicia drops to all fours and bounds across the rat bridge, leaping upon the closest pirate she can reach and laying into him with claws and teeth. Okay, I think I know what went wrong. I cut the rope too high up, so it couldn't actually reach the far ship. I just gotta pick a new rope. Uh, here we go. There we go again! At the end of her swing, Portia launches her feet forward and backflips her way into the gunner's seat of a ballista. She immediately swings the device toward Morelli and makes a used siege weapon check. actually load the bolt before I can fire it. Ah, sorry guys, give me a minute and I'll try again. Meanwhile, closer to the water line... Okay, I just gotta get my feet under me first. Okay, Ormer, you can do this. Just gotta plant your feet and pull out your spear. One, 
to... The Bedlith twitches autonomically as Ormer's spear finds a cluster of nerves. The violent shudder sends Ormer flying back to the party slave gap, where the dwarf collapses onto the deck in a heap, a fraction of a second before the demon raises a heavy claw to crush him into a fine, hairy paste. Not if my made-up-diem shield is interposed between the claws and the dwarf first. Yeah. Calandriel crashes toward his fallen friend and just barely makes it in time. The rim of the techno-magical knight's made-up-diem shield catches the claw near the point, cracking the chitinous exoskeleton and releasing a hideous fishy smell. <laughs> Thanks, Cal. Oh, gods, I hate fish. Okay, I got the ballista loaded now. Just need to take careful aim at Morel. Hey, Calendar. I think Portia might need a little help. Yes, so maybe we should pick a tune for her and inspire, inspire competence. competence. Hey, thanks, guys. That's quite a stirring confidence-building song. Yeah, I kind of like that. Oh, biscuit weevils, I'm supposed to be firing this giant crossbow. It's a ballista, for now at least. In a moment, it will be a tangle of splinters and ropes once it comes into contact with my crushing fist. Uh-oh, time to grab my rope and swing back to our ship again. But this time, on purpose! This is probably a good juncture for everybody to make spot checks. I know you cannot see anything yet. I am focused now on making sure that you can breathe. Hey guys, there's something wrong with Morelli. He looks a little pale. Uh, even more pale than usual. Or maybe less pale? He's kind of translucent green instead of translucent blue. Master! Master Morellian! Oh, you've spent yourself too quickly, Master! We must withdraw! Surely the Babolith will take care of them! Thank you, my old friend. Yes, let us withdraw. Citizens of the Empire of Villalobos and weak things, I lay my curse upon you, petty wretches. You shall live to rue disobeying the sorcerer prince of Malvalinne. When next we meet, my great ebon blade of ancient runes shall feast upon your very souls. Morellian's eyes glow magenta once more, and a quickly expanding dome of force flashes before your eyes, leaving nobody to stand upon the war galley save the albino elf and his red-headed companion. Four large sea elementals rise from the depths to shoulder Morellian's ship, and to carry it away towards safety, as the Sorcerer Prince of Malbalinve collapses in his squire's arms. Um, what about the rat bridge I summoned? Oh, right, um... All the rats are blown off of your enemy's ship as well. Uh, but the spider climb is still in effect, so they kind of get stuck to the side of your boat, like a giant, filthy, rat-haired, sticky hand. What's a sticky hand? Sounds gross and like something you don't talk about in mixed company. Never mind that, wank. I've got more important question. Did Morellian just kick our asses so hard that he got winded and had to go home? Ugh. You 
that don't matter right now. Leastwise, because we still got that giant spider crab demon thing what's trying to kill us. Although, uh, does seem a bit distracted. You know, what with all the pirates hanging off him. I don't think they really expected their boss to leave them all stranded without a boat and whatnot. Maybe we can offer them a spot on our galleon. Yes, us, but we don't really have too much free space up here on the main deck. Well then, maybe we can put them down in the galley with all the slaves we're going to free once we get back to port. A capital suggestion, my gnomish friend. Let us attract all of these bluff sailors with a mass, mass suggestion. suggestion. Well, that actually takes care of most of the pirates. Uh, upon hearing the tunes and the directions that are ringing forth from your bars. Swing your partner, do-si-do! Get your ass up to the hold! Climb the railings, cross the decks! And if you don't, we'll break your necks! Yeehaw! As I was saying, the pirates begin to leave the battlefield. Uh, the battle walks. Anyway, they move fairly quickly, and in under a minute, the fastest of them has already locked himself into place beside the galley slaves. This leaves only the Bebelith to contend with. Alright, boys, keep your shirt on, if you got a shirt. Either way, I got this. Just gotta climb right onto the monster's forehead. Ormer, why are you climbing onto that thing's head? Are you going to attack all of the little pirates that are swimming at our boat? Nah, I got a better idea than that, Felicia. It involves a mighty dwarven leap! Ormer finally finds his footing and leaps a good 40 ILDM straight up into the air. At the vertex of his narrow arc, he turns his body over and dives spear first into the Bebelith's leftmost eye. The summoned fiend screeches at an unholy frequency as thousands upon thousands of smaller arthropods erupt from the wound in the monster's face. Ew! Those things give birth through their heads? Um, so... Being a demon, the usual laws of physics and nature do not apply to the common Bebelith. This one must have been full of eggs, and any new opening in the body sends a signal for the eggs to hatch, and for the young to escape through the nearest opening in their mother's corpse. Don't worry though, these juvenile demons are too soft to survive on the prime material plane for long, so... Like newborn turtles heading towards the sea, these arthropods will be returning to the plains of chaos and evil to prove their fitness for survival. The massive creature finally lurches its last step and slumps over into the side of your ship. Somehow it even stays afloat on the ocean's glassy surface after it expires. Furthermore, the Bebelith does not dematerialize after it dies, indicating that Morellian is probably a much more powerful sorcerer than you guys expected, and that you guys are very lucky to still be alive. Enough of that. We still have pirates to deal with. Hey, you pirates! Surrender now, and you will be allowed to become part of our crew. Any funny business... And we shall cast you back into the sea. Um, Sir Cal, they're dead already. And the ones who aren't are already down in the hold with all those slaves we promised to set free. Oh, then let us celebrate another glorious victory for the Empire. 
I mean, that's historically how it's worked, right? After a fight, someone declares, Now that we've killed you, diplomacy will prevail. Pretty much. So, where to next, Armor? Well, we ought to head for the closest Imperial Gateway so as we can help out the Emperor. Sounded like a whole heap of trouble back in the Holy City. Hope my favorite saloon's still standing. Romande Sorfinde at Illustrious Throw, Master Eminon Shenuda at Shenuda Necroco, Thrimlock Lenanian at Thrimlock, Issa Featherfoot at Lady Featherfoot, and Spirit of the Swift Wind at Spirit OTSW. The Twenty Sided Theater is a joint production of Bear Industries and the Shenouda Necromancy Corporation. This episode stars Gabriel Abenante, Natalie Abenante, Blake Parker, Keridwin Quatrin, Kian Quatrin, and Rory Quatrin. With special thanks to John Abenante for the use of Owen Dromeos and Lottie. Original adventure by Kian Quatrin. Script adaptation by Rory Quatrin. Engineering by Blake Barker. Music by Ben Briggs. Count Plus Step featuring Patashu. Dawn of Neptune. Junior. Naoya Sakamata, New Death Sensation, Patashu, Stephen O'Brien, Teria, and VCMG. For a complete list of and links to all the music and sound effects you heard on tonight's episode, visit the show notes at 20sidedtheater.com. While you're there, consider donating to the upkeep and production of the 20 Sided Theater. If you don't, then Thrimlock and I shall summon a pregnant Bebelith onto your plane, and your entire species shall serve as the first meal of her hatchlings. Join us next time at the Twenty Sided Theater. Greetings, denizens of the Transdimensional Empire I've been spying on. This is Professor E. Slide again, contacting you to announce another brilliant development from Sliding Tech Industries and its subsidiaries. Do you hate children? 
but need to keep a good public appearance during offspring-centric holidays, might I suggest handing out the new Candy Coal, brought to you by Edwin's Friendly Potato-Based Food Products. When my great-uncle Enoch died, he left me an abandoned coal mine, and I had but two choices before me. Yes, we have definitely pinpointed the correct scryo-magical broadcast frequency. Citizens of the Empire, pay no heed to this Professor Slide, for now speaks Imanand Shenouda. Grand Imperial Weaponer and third hand of His Holiness Emperor Nashtif, 27th of his name. Listen and listen well, mortals. The Lady Isa Featherfoot, Pingonquin Princess, and would-be uniter of the scattered penguin tribes has a very special message just for you. Now, Mistress Featherfoot, just as we have rehearsed. Yeah, yeah, just give me that trinket, you fool. I'm running out of alkanuts. We've got no time for pleasantries. Where have I heard that sentiment before? I don't know. It's just something I came up with. All by myself, I guess. Anyway. Issa Featherfoot, future empress of the Pangonquin Expanse, here to undercut that weirdo who keeps interrupting Imanon's commercials and the best ever episodes of Elven Corner. Like the one where Romande burned down Thrimlock's ancestral treehouse. Man, that was a great episode. And to help with such undercutting, I am here to announce the all-new Sliding Peck Delivery Service. Do you have a package that needs to be somewhere else and fast? But are you disgusted by how uncute and uncuddly your delivery options are? Fret no more, for Sliding Peck Deliveries only employs the most adorable penguins to ferry your parcels, letters, and packages wherever they need to go. Here's how it works. Step one, you put something into a package and hand it to your nearest Sliding Peck Parcel Depot alongside any applicable fees. That's the end of your part in the process. Step two, we tie your parcel, letter, or package to the back of a youthful, attractive penguin. Step three, the delivery penguin slides on his or her belly for miles and miles, all the way to the front door of your package's recipient. Be on the lookout for an upcoming service, singing penguigrams. Walk, 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 walk. If nothing else, just keep repeating our name. Sliding Peck Delivery Services. Imanon says it'll help pollute the namespace and the SEO or whatever for that slide guy. Was that good enough, Imanon? Good enough, Lady Featherfoot. Now, let us return the signal to its original wavelength and observe the results of our handiwork. Flipper work. Thank you very much. I hate you. Oh, how sweet. I hope she hates you too, Mr. Shenouda. So touching. 
Anyway, Sona, get in here! What is it, sir? I'm kind of busy. I found this great new service that'll deliver packages, but only if you strap them to the back of a penguin first. Oh, perfect! I was about to ask you to help me send all these packages out! Holy fuck! That's a lot of packages. What, did you miss the last three Christmases or something? No, the last 20 Christmases! Plus the last nine birthdays of everyone I've ever known, plus 12 Mother's Days, plus about 40 weddings since college. I never should have signed up for Facebook. Now, start strapping these boxes to penguins! I need to clear out this shed for storage space! Barnhill used to say, never keep a snake in your boot. It's a good way to get bitten by a snake.